Welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And before we get into this week's episode, I do, of course, as always, want to thank my patrons, Rob, MJ, Emily, Greg, Rocco, and Case. Thank you so much for uh, your generous contributions to my Patreon. Um, if you too would like to get a thank you at the front of this show, you can jump in at patreon.com slash stormageddon at the $5 level. That said, any level you can give is great. I have a ton of other patrons who are giving it less, who are giving it more. Um, and I really appreciate anything that you can give. If you can't give fiscally, I know we're kind of in a weird time right now. Rate and review the show. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, even on Facebook, we have a Facebook page. Any of that helps the show to get more listeners to join in on these incredible conversations I have with incredible guests. But enough about that. Let's talk about our guest this week is the incredible Mike Rugnetta. He comes back to Crash Chords Autographs. We had him on like four years ago. We talk about it in the show. And I'm so excited to have him back. We talk about his latest project, Fun City, which is an incredible podcast. It's a shadow run, actual play podcast. Previous guest, uh, Jen De La Vega, also talked about Fun City. She's on the show as well. Uh, but we get into a whole bunch of other stuff as well, like Idea Channel and currently working on music gaming, his love of tabletop, all sorts of other stuff. So without further ado, please enjoy my incredible chat with the brilliant and lovely Mike Regnetta. But that said, I'm really excited to have you back on the show, Mike. I'm excited that you asked me to be back on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. Uh, you've been up to a lot. A lot has changed since we last spoke. Um, yeah, when? How long ago did we last speak? Was it like three years ago? I think so. So while we're chatting, I'll actually bring up Crash Chords right now and do a quick little goog, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I hated it as I said it, honestly. Um. So you did the music review show, which is now on indefinite hiatus, uh, back in December of 2016, and then you were guest on autographs in March of that year, so even further back. So March of 2016, so four years ago. Whoa. Yeah. Time flies. So fast. Well, now it feels like uh, every day is a now year, but now that's a different story. Now time crawls until it's Saturday, and then you just enter a wormhole and immediately transport to Sunday evening. Yeah, I don't know how quite how that works, uh, especially last weekend with Animal Crossing coming out. Like, I was so excited about it, and I spent so much time in my cute little village. And then the next thing I knew, it was Monday morning. I was like, oh, well, I can't play now. I have shit I got to do. Yep, sounds about right. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited to have you on. Um, as of this recording, I had recently had uh, Jen De La Vega on, who, with you, is a part of the incredible Fun City podcast, Fun City Ventures. Um I have a little story to tell you that I don't think I've told you yet. I want to hear it. I want to but... hear the story. Uh, okay, yeah, sorry. So... I'll let you. Yeah, don't don't let me drive the interview again. <laughs> uh, actually, I tell that story to so many people <laughs> that you got so excited that I was from Staten Island that you asked me <laughs> questions about it. It's my favorite thing because I'd never had a guest like become the interviewer and be like, wait, you were from Staten Island? What was that like? It was just, it was really good. <laughs> um, but my story it has to do with our good friend Taylor. Um, who also works on the podcast with you. Um, 
I met him back when he was still a Kickstarter. Um, my spouse, Sarah, who says hello, um, Hi, uh, had a meeting with him just back in the early days. There were talks about stuff. She's working in the audio speaker space. And like, I was just having a great conversation with Taylor, nerding out as he does. And then I mentioned uh, you because I think we had, we'd recently spoken or something had happened. And he went, Oh, yeah. Oh, it was because we talked about Drip. And I was like, oh, yeah, Mike's in the program. Actually, Matt, can you keep a secret? We're starting to work on a super secret thing. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. And so, and so he told me, yeah, so we're going to do this Shadowrun podcast, but it's really hush-hush. We haven't done it. Like, we haven't really started yet, but we're starting to work it out. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Uh, and so I had, like, the inside, inside scoop. But, of course, who am I going to tell, right? Unless it's someone, like, working on it who plays Shadowrun. It's like anyone else is going to be like, okay. Yeah, the, yeah, the, uh, the, in the interested parties was a pretty, pretty narrow margin of people. <laughs> um, but so I've been looking forward to Fun City for a while because I knew that something really cool like that was coming from you guys. So I guess my first question really is, like, where did the origins of Fun City come from? Because most people who know you know you, of course, from Idea Channel and a lot of the stuff you've done online that's video-related and not tabletop RPG-related. Mm -hmm. So, like, where did this come from? Have you always been into tabletop RPGs? Uh, yeah, I have been playing tabletop RPGs for a very, very long time. Uh, when I was a, When I was younger... Probably like when I was just a teenager, so probably around the time I was like 12 or 13, um, I got really interested in both Shadowrun and the vampire games, the like vampire, oh, nice. the old white wolf. Yeah. Uh -huh. And, you know, I think I never played them as a as a youngster um, the way that, you know you would describe playing an RPG. Um, I think it was just like hard to get friends involved or like it was just looking at the books. It was like a little overwhelming, but like I read a lot of those books just from front to back, like they were novels almost. Oh, nice. um, and then uh, like really started playing um, when I moved to New York. Uh, and so, you know, sort of re inhabited a lot of that, uh, a lot of that attitude and a lot of that interest and it was interesting like how much of it sort of like came back even though I didn't have a regular play group as a as a teenager you know it's like oh this has a familiarity to it um, in a way that's like sort of uncanny uh, and then yeah I mean ever since playing ever since starting up to like really play it has been a very very consistent part of my life uh, and a very very consistent way that I relate to a, a pretty large number of my friends actually um, you know like I have a I have a game that I'm in now that's my I think it is my third character in okay. this particular like world and string of games um, and we've been playing for something like maybe eight years Wow. And it's been it's That's been a long time. Yeah, it's 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 very very long. And we're very lucky that that, you know, the and it's been the same DM the whole time. Uh, oh wow, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, and like, you know, it's it's weathered people moving to different states, including the DM moving to different states <laughs> and moving back and people having kids and, you know, all these other things, but uh yeah, it's a uh, tabletop role playing is like a thing that I yeah, it took me a little while to like realize it, but yeah, it's like a thing that I do a lot of. <laughs> yeah, I, it's easy to forget that sometimes. I think especially for me, so like most of mine are virtual now, thanks to things like Roll20 mm -hmm. um, and Tabletop Simulator, you can play a lot of these games 
across large distances. And one of my oldest friends, Brian, who has run games for ages, uh, we've played probably as long as eight years, but we've never had a game last that long because it's always like someone gets excited about a new edition or a different thing. And it's like, oh, let's play this thing. But uh, but we're all over the U.S. and even all over New York now. Like we have I have friends in Queens who I love, but like even that's a trick sometimes to get out to Queens. I mean, our yeah, our regular uh, play group um, for this game uh, that's been going on for a very long time is all over New York, and I think it, it seems like we are now going to have more regular play sessions during the pandemic and the lockdown, or you know. Um, uh, the the social isolation because it's very easy for the folks who live in Harlem or the folks who live in yeah like the Bronx to be like yeah I mean I can do whenever if I don't have to get on a train that makes this so much easier to schedule for sure well like I mean even with you like we had chatted about doing something like this again at the launch party for Fun City and you're like oh I'd love to but like things are really crazy right now and it's hard to have any downtime and like now we all kind of have, just have more downtime. downtime yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um, but steering it back to Fun City, so how did that come to be, um, and how did you assemble that cast, these players? Like yeah. Jen talked a little bit about it from her side, but I'd love to hear like the broader, like how you assembled the Avengers, so to speak. Sure. Um, so several years ago, Taylor and I played in a Shadowrun game uh, together that I DM'd, uh, and that was just like I was interested in running a Shadowrun game, having had great memories of all the books from uh, when I was younger. Um, and we had, you know, an open slot at the table and one of the players, uh, Nicole, he, who was there, um, recommended Taylor and was like, Hey, you should, you know, my friend, this guy from Kickstarter, uh, should, you know, he'd be great at this. So like I had coffee with Taylor one afternoon and I was like, Hey, I mean, how, like, how do you feel about playing this just very rules intense game it takes place in the future? It's like D and D, but like, it's not D and D et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He was like, funny thing you should, you should ask. Um, he and his wife went to go visit his wife's family in India and Taylor had, you know, with like, just sort of like hanging out the family house, not much to do, had just read all of fifth edition just for oh, wow. Shadowrun, just for like for fun, just by coincidence. Amazing. Uh, and so he was like, yeah, so I'm like ready to go. So that was how I that was how I met Taylor. I met Taylor playing Shadowrun, uh, and then in the intervening Amazing. years, we just became good friends. And actually, Taylor was the one who pitched me about DMing a podcast, like DMing a TTRPG actual play game. Uh, and I was like, "Really? You think like you think I would be good at that?" He was like, "Yes, you sh- <laughs> yes you should do it." Um, and I my condition was like, "Okay, but." you have to be a material part of it. Like I wanted Taylor's storytelling sensibility because Taylor's such a great storyteller and he's like so great at characters. So I like, you know, know from having played the game with him, uh, I was like, you know, it's going to be like, I can do it, but man, it's going to be so much better if you're involved and like, you can sort of be like a co DM, but we didn't like the idea of co DM. So it took us a while to develop what we have now. Um, which I imagine we might talk about in a little bit. Uh, so I won't, I yeah. won't go into too much detail on that yet. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, we just sort of talked. We slow rolled it about what kind of story we wanted to tell, what, are we, what we wanted to do, what sorts of people we wanted to have as players. And, I mean, we just got really lucky. We, I mean, our crew is, you know, Shannon, Jen, Nick, and Bijan are just so, so, so good. 
they're yeah they're friends or or friends of friends you know i had met Bijan yeah. also through nicole who introduced me to taylor and uh you know he i had asked uh, another friend of ours if he would be interested in playing the game he was like no i'm too busy like i got i got a bunch of work stuff coming up that like i can't make any extra time but you got to talk to my friend Bijan. he would be perfect for this and i had just <laughs> nice. met him like two days ago so yeah the whole thing is just full of coincidence i met jen through the kickstarter creators and residents program and you know just from interacting with her i was like man jen, you know jen does not self-identify as a tabletop role player or at least didn't when we started the game but she is hands down the most natural tabletop role player that i've ever encountered she just like immediately took to it yeah. uh and shannon and nick are uh colleagues of taylor's just people that he knows from the comedy world uh and you know he reached out to them and asked if they would be interested and they said yes and continue to crush it to this day yeah my favorite thing so i've always had this love-hate relationship with a lot of uh like actual play podcasts part of it comes from like as a guy who has four talking head style podcasts that tends to be what i listen to because my mind can wander during an interview and if it comes back maybe i missed a couple of details but like i don't feel lost sure whereas like with a with a actual play it's like there's narrative and if i lose it i'm like wait i gotta go back um but that said, Fun City is so engaging and so well crafted as a story that it doesn't matter. Like I just I want to listen to it as soon as it comes out. Thank you. That's and amazing. You're you're welcome. And I think part of that comes from the incredible cast that you have, the characters. Like like a uh, minor spoiler for the most recent episode of but it's not related to the plot other than there was a running gag of Gatorade throwing <laughs> that like that's why I love this show, among other things, is because the, the the kind of nonsense that Taylor will start based on sincere beginnings is amazing to me. And then you actually edited it, edited in a Gatorade sound, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I went to the corner and I bought a Gatorade bottle so that I could record it hitting <laughs> my body. And it actually does kind of hurt. Uh, yeah, because it's such a specific sound. I was like, well, I can't fake this. I got to just buy a Gatorade. And, like, the first time it happens, like, I chuckled a little, but it was the callback where it does it again. And I'm like, I can't believe you guys did it again. This is perfect. Yeah. But, like, to the same degree, when TK loses control in the episode before, and I won't say more than that, but, like, that was terrifying knowing the character. And, like, so it's that kind of storytelling that I really love. Was that always the goal with you and Taylor to kind of craft this kind of narrative focus? Yeah, I think we're very, we started from the beginning wanting to be really character driven and really focused on building a complete world that uh, we can tell a like complicated story within. A lot of the show is in the hands of the players. You know, they, you know, they're, they're really the, the rudder of the the ship you know the of the mrs egg as it were <laughs> yeah. um but yeah we we really wanted really wanted it to be focused on how the world impacts them how they can impact the world uh the the how one becomes powerful in uh, a dystopic urban environment what power is and how that's reflected in what you can and can't do uh and so i think yeah we we really always wanted it to be uh, yeah, something like that. I think we were also really interested in having it be 
you know, one of the, one of the things that comes up a lot in discussion about the show is, and even us talking about it on the show is, oh my God, this is in some ways just so close to real life, but yeah. except there are like orcs and stuff and technology is slightly more pervasive and a little bit more fantastical and powerful. But, you know, if you squint, it really does just like look like New York in 2020 and that's on purpose. Like Taylor and I really wanted to figure out how to use that environment and how to use the setting of 2101 after a climate catastrophe to talk about bigger, more abstract problems that are, you know, problems, societal ills, questions, um, conundrums uh, that exist today. And I think, yeah, those were, those were the two things that we were like really aiming for. Um, with the cast, did was there guidance to the kind of characters they created or did they just come up with something and create it and then you just ushered it through? So they played a bunch of test games before we started mm -hmm. recording the actual show so that they could get a feel for what they liked. Um, so, you know, uh, Nick has played a face, a rigger, and I think, I think a decker. Uh, you know, Shannon has played, uh, Shannon played a face, Shannon also played a um, uh, a alchemist. Shannon also played an alchemist. So like they they sort of got a sense of what they wanted to do and what things most fit their interests. And the only guidance that I gave them was the standard stuff that like a DM might say at the beginning of an adventuring party, which is like, you shouldn't have four magic users. Or, yeah, right, exactly. or you know, if you're all faces then that limits the kind of story that we can tell. Uh, and the only thing that I got really heavy handed with was, I think, I think it was Nick, someone, uh, like everybody wanted to be a magical race, basically. Right. We had very, we didn't have, we didn't have, in my opinion, enough humans. Uh, and I just, right. I, I was just like, statistically, this doesn't make sense. And I think it's, I think it might be narratively important to have more humans in the group. Um, and like, that was a conversation that we had that wasn't by fiat. I was like, you know, if you really want to commit to four dwarves or whatever it was, you know, like we, <laughs> we can do that, but that's going to become what the show is about in a way. Um, and so then we decided upon the arrangement that we have now, which is an elf, an orc and two humans. And what's really interesting to me is like having met everybody at the release party and having conversations with them outside their character and then listening to them play their characters or even compared to like Fun Chatty, which is the question and answer show, an explainer show you guys do. Like I start to hear such a vast difference now because I'm so used to the characters and that's pretty cool. And even like Taylor, who for the most part uses his voice to different degrees for all of his characters, they all feel so different. Uh, I think that's pretty amazing. Was that always the goal is to make people kind of get into the roles and role play really, really hard? Uh, I think that that was a hope that Taylor and I had. And I think that's part of part of who we talked to about being a part of the show. Um, you know, mm -hmm. that was like one of the sort of considerations that we made was who who do we feel would be really good at being a character? Because that's, mm -hmm. that's the kind of game that I like to run. And from a perspective of the audience, right? Like, like you're saying, that's an interesting and fun thing to listen to is when people just like really inhabit their characters. Um, and yeah. we're not making a home game. We're making something for people to be entertained by. So we want to make sure that, you know, that's, a, that's some range that we have. 
uh, I think that I try as a DM to just have that expectation of my players that yeah. that they will play faithfully to their character and that there will be an appropriate amount of separation between themselves as people and who they are at the table or in the game world. And Taylor, I think, also has that expectation. And so while it wasn't a plan, I think Taylor and I just started playing that way. Um, yeah. And and that is, we were lucky that, uh, you know, and the players have worked really hard to um, respond to that expectation and to like, yeah, like really just dig in, just try to try to feel who their characters are. Um, and in some cases, you know, like with TK, gr like really grapple with that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like one of my favorite character moments as the character you play uh, is the drone moment when <laughs> when your character is fumbling to make this thing work. Like I believe the frustration. I believe and you know, a lot of it is you just using your own voice, but it still feels different from Mike Ragnetta. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really fun. Did you did you plan to be a character from the beginning in the in the set as you went through the story as as Gabe? Yeah, um, it is something that I just like to do in games that I run, um, yeah. which is that it's it, it is often helpful for the universe to have a very small mouthpiece that is in close <laughs> that is in close proximity to the characters. Um, yeah. In the best situations, they are only needed as a fill-in for skills that the team doesn't have. So, you know, no one on this team is a rigger. A rigger is a relatively important skill to a team. So it's just good to have a rigger around, which is, you know, yeah. number one. But then if the characters have any question about how the world works, they have a slightly more worldly and experienced older gentleman around them who can be like... Well, listen here, kids, like, here's how it goes. <laughs> and that gives me as a DM an avenue to just like give them good advice if they really need it. But ideally, yeah, yeah ideally, Gabe only comes into the show as flavor and situations like the B team battle where they're like, oh, my God, we're fucked. We really need help. Um, and he gets to provide you know something sl like a like a slightly um less effective deus ex machina like a deus ex machina right. that could could conceivably fail uh, cuz right. it's no fun if he shows up and just solves the problem um that's just me not challenging the players right of course um also i think the show needs more artemis i think that every time <laughs> artemis first of all um shout out to molly who plays artemis and does such an awesome job but what i love about artemis in your show is essentially and i think you said this on a fun chatty she's essentially like a giant alexa and the fact that half the time she chimes in when you say keyword she doesn't always understand but she's trying to provide she's doing her best um <laughs> Was that was that an intentional choice that you guys made, or was that something that Molly came up with? Uh, that was I really wanted there to be a, a an Alexa like character, uh, okay. like from the beginning. I was like, we gotta have it if everything works out. You know, because you never know what the, what players are gonna do. They might want to play a, right. a different game from what you've put together. Like if everything works out and they end up all living together on a place where they can conceivably change the operation of that location, I would love for Gabe's character, t for Gabe to install basically an Alexa. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I yeah. 
I don't want to, I'm not going to say too much, but like we got plans for Artemis, like Artemis, Artemis factors into the world in many different ways that, you know, are happening in the background. Um, and you know, further, further down the line, depending upon how things go, she will have various, I, you know, hopefully meaningful impacts on the team as opposed to just being a fun toy to answer questions. Yeah, I mean, and as some, I mean, it, it rang really home to me, and I think I messaged you this as someone who has not one but many smart speakers in his home. That often, if I say words that sound like the word to activate them, that's it. They're on. They're in the conversation. They're replying, and there's literally nothing you can do. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Ta Taylor. <laughs> so the way that Artemis works is Taylor is Artemis at the table, and then right. Molly re-records all of Artemis's lines um, in post-production. But ta like Taylor really loves the misunderstanding about playing music that the like, you yeah. say something and then, you know, Artemis is like, gonna, I'm going to play this song that you didn't ask for. And actually, I'm just I'm editing the episode that comes out next week today. And uh -huh. uh, yeah, there's there's another one. And I'm like, this is just it, it's it's the same joke, but I it's still very funny. <laughs> it is. I mean, also, I'm someone who as you know, appreciates the same joke over and over again. Like, I, I can like that. Um, I am still someone who, when someone brings up the age-old battle that we hate to hear about GIF or JIF, I say JIF and get confused looks. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I will always I will always stand on that hill. Um, uh, so with, with... Okay, so my big question about Fun City is you clearly obviously had no idea what kind of audience it was going to have. And it seems to have had a hugely successful run so far. You've got patrons, you've got a successful Discord. Was that a complete shock to you guys, or did you expect this size of a community to come through? Completely shocked. Absolutely. I mean, you know, <laughs> you always hope when you make a new thing that you're like, that everybody's right. going to like this, and, and, and it's going to be wildly popular. Not to say that we are wildly popular. Like, we're doing good. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the... Um, how do I say this? We really wanted to make, actually, I don't want to put words in Taylor's mouth. I really wanted to make a very specific kind of show that right. like, I don't hear a lot of. Um, and I'm not saying that like I'm some genius that can imagine things about the genre that no one else has. I think it's just like a lot of TTRPG podcasts are a very specific thing. Like they're goofy, they're D&D, yeah. &D, they're very goofs oriented. They're slightly, they're like lightly edited. Um, you know, I find a lot of them to be really long like I like those things and there's a time and a place for those things, you know, like that's, that's great stuff for certain situations, like being on the train, you know, being in a car ride, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I really wanted to figure out if we could make something that was more dense and more serious and more designed. Um, yeah. And to try to make something that was like a little bit more, uh, I don't know. I don't really know what the right word here is because the one that comes right to mind is serious, but like that makes me sound like a shithead. And like, that's not really what I mean. You know, like Ad right. adventure zone is very serious. Um, yeah. Rude tales is, is like a serious, it is, that is a serious production. They put tons and tons of work into that and it is just incredible. And to say that that is not serious is, is ridiculous. But I think like, right. I just want, I really wanted to make something that was, um, I don't know, something specific, something different. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. It's No, it's all good. I, well, um, I think that's where the community comes from, though, is the fact that you were setting out to do something like that. And I think, and, and so the proposition of doing that um, and, you know, 
the the sort of difference in tone that that might have between you know in comparison to other shows but then also doing it with Shadowrun which is a system that has a a very fairly earned reputation of being rules intense and fiddly and involving a lot of table talk and being very slow moving you know there was always a worry of like oh what have we done have we purposefully designed a show that is just off-putting because it's going to be slow moving feelings and dialogue heavy with a complicated system in a world that requires lots of explanation it's not like oh you're in the forbidden realms there are dragons and people immediately get it you know like we have to right. explain what new york in 2101 is like uh yeah di- are we just going to be alienating people left and right and so yeah now that a couple thousand people listen to the show every episode it's like oh boy that's incredible (laughs) it's uh we're thankful for every single one of them and excited when they want to talk to us about you know the the thoughts that the show gives them yeah i think my favorite thing about the discord uh which you can join if you join the patreon for fun city thanks you can find at patreon.com you're welcome thank you matt um uh is you engage the way you guys engage with the audience is really great. Uh, I actually have a fun audience story. So I've asked several questions on Fun Chatty because I love to know how this stuff works, obviously, as I have an interview show and I like to dig in. A friend of mine yesterday, his name is Lindsay Bowen. Um, he's a big podcast aficionado. He writes me, he writes Sarah first and she's like, Does Matt listen to Fun City? And Sarah's like, I, th- I think so. Why? She's like, He's like, oh, I'll just ask him. And so he, te- he calls me and he's like, you listen to Fun City, don't you? And I was like, yeah, why? And he's like, oh, because some they mentioned someone named Matt, and I think they said Storm at one point, and I just thought it m- must be you. I love that show. I just wanted to know if that was you. And so we like, and this is someone I've been friends with for a little while, but we connected about tabletop gaming, which neither of us has ever talked about because I always see him in regards to the 24-hour plays or theater. Mm. And so like, it had never come up. It turns out he plays a weekly game. He goes, well, not right now, obviously, but like he goes to a game store and like, he wants me to play with him. And like, it's just really funny that that's wild. Fun city. That's great. This roundabout way brought it back to me because, because I was on one of the episodes. So that, that, that's, that was pretty cool. Um, but like it's reinvigorated my love of uh, uh, of tabletop RPGs as well, which I always want to play more of. And I feel like no matter how many games I have going, I don't have enough games going. Uh, <laughs> just because like I have all these ideas for characters and like some of my favorite ideas for characters are in campaigns that just took a dive after two sessions and that's the worst. And I always wonder, should I bring those characters back? Matt, you know what the solution to this problem is? What's that? You just have to DM a game. You are describing wanting to be a DM. <laughs> That's what that when you when you think about all the things that you want to do in a fictional universe that is bounded by rules in a tabletop role playing core rule book, but like you have nowhere yeah. to put all of your ideas, you're yeah, you should just DM a game. I know. <laughs> yeah. I guess I should. It's one of those things where I'm always afraid to DM because I like I've written tons of articles. I've been published places. I talk all the time on a podcast, but I always think oh, I'm not a storyteller. I can't tell stories, and I know that's blatantly untrue. Yeah, that's nonsense. You are, uh, you would be you would be a great DM. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's high praise coming from yeah. Me. Oh come on. Um, <laughs> um, we, of course, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the times we're living in now. Right? We're all. Social distancing. We're all home as of when I'm recording this. Um, has that impacted 
fun city. I know you guys tend to record in the same space. You record in a studio instead of from your own disparate locations. Has this slowed down or changed how you're going to make fun city for a little while? We, yeah, uh, the short answer is yes. Um, the long answer is yes. And, um, uh, yeah, we haven't seen one another for a number of weeks. Uh, Taylor made the, the, you know, very smart decision where he's like fortunate horses just closed. Like it's closed yeah. for the foreseeable future. Um, so we're, yeah, we're not going to record. Uh, we're all staying in our apartments where we should be. Um, we have, um, episodes recorded through, sorry, I'm going to wait for the, there's, can you hear this extremely loud banging that's above me? A little bit, yeah. but it is what it is. <laughs> like they didn't, like I've had the, that exact experience where there is nothing going on above me until I turn on the record yeah. button and then there's banging for some reason. Yeah. Apologies. Um, it's all good. Yeah, we have. So we have a number of episodes already recorded. We're always like a month or two ahead. Um, okay. So I think after the one I recorded today, hold on, let me do some quick math. After the one I after the one I edited today, we have one, two, three. I believe four episodes left. Oh wow! Okay. That uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that we have four publishable episodes because we right. do a lot of like like i said before we're very audience focused it's all about making a show for the people who are listening and about making the best product for someone who's not in the room while we're recording and so a lot of times what that means is i'll say something that and it'll be very unclear um and you know because we were all in the same room together the context was clear for all of us but upon listening to the recording it's like it barely makes any sense and so we right. need to re-record me in the studio which has a very particular sound and sounds different from my home studio um sure you know to get that seamless audio file quality <laughs> um yeah you know like i'll have to re-record something to set the scene or you know will um someone for any number of reasons it's not worth going into all of them but like we'll need to get new material we'll need to we'll need to fix something uh, and so the judgment call that we make now is when we run into something like that, is it mission critical? How important is it that it be fixed to publish the episode? So in the last episode that came out in episode 13, we had two things that in theory needed to be re-recorded, and we just all talked together and we were like, all right, you know, we'll just cut this one. We'll cut this one detail um, that like, we liked but wasn't wasn't mission critical but like if it was made clear would have been very fun to include but it was not very clear so we got rid of it uh, and then right. one other thing that was like bad and confusing but everybody was like uh, you got to keep it in it explains something necessary to explain uh, could be better but you got to leave it in to publish the episode so we published it so that is, I think, the main way at this point that it has changed the way we make the show is that we're we're making those kinds of calls. Once once we work uh, through our back catalog, we don't we do not yet know what we're going to do. Are we going to record the show in, in all of our apartments? You know, will everybody get a recording apparatus so that we can have something that sounds somewhat like the show? We don't know. Haven't talked about it. Still have some time. 
Yeah, sure. I mean, and and if it makes you feel any better, I have no idea what you're talking about in episode 13 as far as this yes! thing that was so like. But I mean, also, again, I just as a as a your content sorry <laughs> yeah. it has to be said that it way does. creator um it's, i don't make the rules um as someone who makes that kind of stuff like i get that and so also when i listen to someone who makes something for the most part i just assume that's their intent it's their intended voice it's their intended structure that's why it's also i don't look for mistakes yeah it's also really good i am definitely the worst out of all of us uh with wanting things to be tidy and not mm-hmm. not perfect but Tidy is the word that I normally use. And so when yeah. when things aren't tidy, it's really good to have the rest of the cast be like, yo, you got to chill out. Or, a eh, good point, we got to redo this. Uh, in yeah. the normal course of production, yeah, it's about 50-50. 50% of the things I'm like, we could do this better, should we re-record it? The cast is like, no, no, <laughs> no, it's not worth it. No <laughs> one's going to notice. You're the only person who cares about that. And then the other 50% is like, yeah, that could be better. Or they have thoughts of their own about things that they would like to fix. I mean, but that's cool. That sounds like that it really is a collaborative process. You know, there are other shows that are like this, that, and that, and those shows are fine too, where like one person has a vision, the rest are kind of just players in it. And like, I like that. And I, and I think that definitely gives to the heart of the show, the fact that everyone's so involved, everyone's so collaborative. Yeah, I try really hard. Um, the cast gets a cut of every, because I edit the show, um, the cast gets a cut of every, at every stage. So, like, mm-hmm. they get a cut where it's just them talking with no sound effects and no music. They get a cut where all the sound effects are roughed in. They get a mix cut and they get a mask. Just so, like, at every step of the way, if they're like, oh, I don't, my character shouldn't have said this. Or can you take this part out? Or that sound effect is not what I was imagining. They have a moment. They have an opportunity to, um, you know, give me notes, basically. That's really awesome. Did you ever imagine when you started the show that you'd become a digital Foley artist and be making sound effects for the show? <laughs> to be perfectly honest, it is one of the things that I was the most excited about when we did start the show. <laughs> like, Oh, that's amazing. Am, yeah. my I spent many years uh, making sound effects for theater. And so this is, in a way, a, a return to uh, some of the things that I did for a very, very long time. That's really awesome. Of course, yeah, you worked in theater for for ages. Um, I, I do want to shift conversation a little bit and talk about you've been releasing a little bit of music, uh, working on some other things, um, murmurs on Twitter, uh, possibly some reasonably sound to come out of the quarantine, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, are there other projects you're looking to work on? I, I know Fun City has more or less become kind of one of your focuses, but I also know you, like me, isn't only going to work on one thing. It's true. Um so are there other things that you're excited about that you're working on or things that the quarantine has allowed you to work on that you otherwise wouldn't have? Man, I wish that was the case. But no, the quarantine has made things much more complicated because so mm. much of my work is gone because my oh, job no. is like standing in a room with other people where they all either look at a camera or talk into microphones. And now no one, right. no one can be in a room together. So uh, I'm working on a couple things because of uh, because of the Corona quarantine that are fun, just like I'm working with people to figure out how to design streaming setups, either for recording videos, um, replacing live events that have been canceled, recording podcasts, um, which is fun. It's fun to like feel like I'm helping and to have a skill set that is useful in this moment. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I wish I wish that that had translated. It would it would be preferable if that had translated into somehow government subsidized free time to work on things that I like. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, oh, it's a bummer. The things, uh, the things that I'm working on now, other than you know, when I'm not like scrambling uh, for professional reasons, is um, I'm trying to release one 20 minute piece of music every month this year, uh, which mm-hmm. is just you know, I I wrote music professionally in New York for almost 10 years, probably like seven or so, and you know that was how I thought was what I did. It was the place that my brain was almost. Uh, almost all day, every day for a long amount of time. And then when I started making uh, performance art and then that turned into making YouTube videos, I just (laughs) stopped doing that suddenly. And so it was a part of my brain that I just kind of abandoned very quickly and then did so for six years. And uh, yeah, it's been nice to get back into that and to reignite some of those parts of my brain and to experiment with some of the things that have just been stuck in my head for a number of years. But I had no, like I was waiting for an excuse. I was like, oh, maybe I'll get a job writing music for, for a dance piece this year and then I'll be able to use this idea. And then this year it dawned on me that I don't need someone to hire me to write music. I can just do it right. as long as I make the time for it. So that's been really, really fun. I really would like to make a YouTube video. And I say a YouTube video <laughs> because I want to see how it feels. Cause I have sure. complicated opinions about YouTube. I have complicated opinions about your content creation. Yeah. Um, I have, I don't know. I just, I don't yet know how I feel about it, but I would like to make something and see how it goes and then decide whether or not one should become two and then decide if two should become three. Uh, Yeah, we'll see. That's got like a big question mark on it. And I get that, like, right? Because when you start something like that, if you don't start it with the consideration that there might be follow-up, like that's foolish, especially considering if you want to make the thing or even if you're not sure if you want to make the thing. Yeah. And I also don't, you know, I still get, it's very nice. I feel very lucky that I still get a couple tweets and emails a week from people being like, are you going to make YouTube videos again? Are you ever going to make YouTube videos again? I would like for you to make YouTube videos again. And I don't want to make, if, if I make something, I want to make it knowing that, I'm not going to get people's hopes up in a way of like, you know, is this a comeback? Am I coming back? Not that I am ever like, not that I was ever big or popular enough to like warrant something called a comeback. I just want to be thoughtful about it is really what I'm trying to say. Sure. Um, Totally. And reasonably sound is the thing that I say is that reasonably sound is is never on hiatus. I'm just working very, very slowly. Uh, yeah. My hope was that I was going to release a reasonably sound next month, but that was in a situation where I, you know, had had paying work that was on a schedule that allowed me to have some free time in order to invest the time and resources to make a reasonably sound. That's slightly different at this point. Next week, you know, things are changing every single day. Uh, yeah. So my hope is that, yeah, I'll have some elbow room to make a reasonably sound that comes out in April. And if everything goes according to plan, I would like to make one a month. That's going to be extremely difficult, but we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, we, we've both talked about at length how I'm an audiophile and it's why I've been thankful for a ton of the music you've introduced me to and why I loved reasonably sound so much is because you're really, 
you know, in my brain at first, I'm like, oh, it's idea channel, but audio, but it's not. It's completely different because you're focusing in on a thing that people might not even think about in a way that I don't think a lot of people would even dive into. Like the, we often around the home, the storm host household, talk about the Boam episode. Oh, sure, yeah. That you did. Because I didn't even know that sound effect had a name until that episode. And it was really fascinating once you started to look up where it originated and that there were some early versions that weren't actually considered the early version and that like it actually started here and like that kind of stuff is really fascinating is that where a lot of the time comes from is doing that research and gathering that data yeah and it's the the idea with reasonably sound is that you always start with a very particular sound related thing um right like a very small idea and the, and the hope is that you widen that idea out and out and out and out and out until you're just talking about what it means to be a human experiencing the world. And that you're like, yeah. you're always going from this very tiny thing that's sound related to like the phenomenological experience of operating a body and being a like responsible person in the world in the case of the episode about uh, the episodes about climate change. Um, yeah. Or about, I guess, technically they're about vinyl records and uh, electric cars. Yes. Um, and a lot of that is, yeah, is just like following threads. And it also just, I think, takes a while. I just, yeah, it takes a while just sitting down and thinking about what the next step of that widening funnel is just, I think, takes me at least, you know, I'm not a fast thinker. Um it just yeah it takes me a while to wrap my brain around and figure out what feels right and what the next natural natural step is and then and then on top of that is getting to those places realizing that there's no possible way for me to learn the thing that i need to learn um to like understand this to talk about it with any authority so then i start emailing and calling experts and that you know people have lives they have Right. They have required, they have schedules and things that they have to do. Um, even in the quarantine, you know, academics are still working very hard, just in a different small room. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think all of that sounds really cool, though, at least from the perspective that it sounds like you're still trying to pursue things that you're curious about, even if you're not sure what the end result will be. Like talking about the YouTube video thing, like... Again, when we first met, I met you through knowing about Idea Channel, and you were kind enough to come on my very young podcast that I've now been doing for long, so long it feels like eternity. <laughs> um, but, you know, and when I met you, like, I'm, I'm happy to call you a friend now, but when I met you, you were that guy. You were that guy that I saw through the series that I love and that I used to see on my computer screen all the time. And, but I can get how that can feel almost like, being locked into a thing right like if you're doing something for a really long time and people have a fondness and a love for that one thing to jump into that thing again you don't probably don't want to jump into it like you're doing your own off-brand idea channel because idea channel should exist as it was but just the same way that is part of you so you can't ignore it either right and so i imagine it's trying to find that balance yeah it is a big it's also like you know uh the stuff that I did on idea channel was, was me. Like that's the kind of stuff that I'm interested in. That's the stuff that I yeah. do. That's like how I think about the world. And so anything that I do now, if I were to do a YouTube channel, if I were to do a YouTube, a, a YouTube video, um, 
yeah, I think it would. It would look remarkably like Idea Channel because it's just like that's who I. It's like who I'm still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a different person, but in a lot of ways, I'm the same person. Um, you know, I have the same interests. I still have. I have the same expertise. Um, I have the same framework through which I view the world and media, and a lot of the same interests. Uh, so yeah, it is definitely a consideration that I'm like, oh, and are people going to think that this is to the comeback question again, that I'm just like yeah. bringing idea channel back because, ooh, I'm not. So I've thought about yeah. what the things I would do to signal that. And I think one of the major ones is I would turn the comments on the videos off mm. because like that, yeah. I think sends a strong message. And also I have read enough YouTube comments for several lifetimes I you, don't need to read anymore ever again. <laughs> yeah, you you were diligent. I mean, I remember that flow of them being the end of the video, then separate whole videos, and like, and I mean, and to that degree though, it's why I think you're you're people who like you, your fans, I'm hesitant to use the word fans because I hate when people, like I refer to people who listen to me as fans. I just feel like friends, let's say friends, all of your friends sure. who watched Idea Channel, like you gave that sense of friendship and give and take, right? Like it was so personal, especially when you answered those comments. And while I totally understand and respect why you wouldn't, I think that would definitely make it very different because that was a wholly personal side of it. Yeah, and that, that was I'm sure it, took up so much time. And Idea Channel was built from the ground up with that idea. Like when we were putting the show, right. when we were conceiving of the show, we were like, oh, and like every every episode's going to be a question. We'll present it in such a way that people will be able to respond. People will and will ask a question at the end. We'll respond to those comments in the next, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah like that was part of part of the conceit of the show. Um, so I think, yeah, the next if if I were to do a youtube video uh i would i would want to make it clear that that is not the conceit of that video and insofar as that suggests the existence of further videos probably those videos neither right um do you ever revisit idea channel or or visit those old videos look for ideas check stuff out there are ones that i watch again just because i have fond memories of them and i like them uh, yeah. that's about it. Yeah. I go back and I'll, if, or, or if someone tags me in one and I'm like, oh, I forgot that we even met cause we made 400 videos. So many videos. Um, I, there are some where I'm like, someone will tag me and I'll be like, oh, I forgot that we even made a video about this. Uh, and I'll watch those just to, just to sort of like watch another person who looks exactly like me say things that I agree with. <laughs> Well, and what's interesting about that, I wanted to ask you, because when I listen to old episodes of Autographs, um, it feels like I'm listening to another guy oh, yeah. a little bit. And so, like, do you feel that way? Like, when you watch an old Idea channel, you're like, that's not me. It's just some guy who looks like me. Yeah, absolutely. It's also, um, you know, ha especially with the ones that I don't remember so well, you know, I, I do not know what's coming next in the in the flow of ideas. I don't remember yeah. the script. And so it's very, it, you know, I can say like, oh, you know, this guy didn't construct that argument well. He could have done this slightly <laughs> differently. Or or like, oh, I like I see where he's coming from. Uh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, sure, sure. So I'm able, I'm able yeah. to have a, a much more audience-like reaction to a lot of those videos, uh, especially at this point, you know, because some of them are, some of them are, are old at this, you know, in internet years. Yeah. Some of them are ancient at this point. 
Yeah, totally. I will say that my reaction gift game is all because of Idea Channel, I have to say. <laughs> uh, like, shout out shout out to the lot. editors. Shout out to Ian and Morgan and, you know, yeah. they... Uh, and all those all those folks they they put a lot of work into honing that library yeah which was always on point um staring back to a uh, fun city i'm curious so i have to imagine dming a game the 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 players will not always go where you want them to go even if you give them glaring neon signs <laughs> go here they're going to go in a different direction. Do you find it exciting when that happens, or do you kind of want to flip a table? Oh, I love it. I think it's great. I yeah. I love yeah, yeah. it when players are when players want to solve a problem in a way that is novel. Um, we also play like m- my playstyle and Taylor's playstyle is very open. Like we mm-hmm. just kind of dump them into a situation and we know various things, mostly about the characters in those situations. And we like, you know, we know where all the secret passages in the buildings are and we know what buttons unlock various vaults and stuff. But we don't tend to have solutions thought up ahead of time. Um, like I really like coming up with a problem and not knowing how the players are going to solve it, but knowing that they're going to have to, because it means that I'm not railroading them. And it means that I'm, I'm not, it means I don't have a favorite. It means I don't have like a golden pathway that I really want them to follow. And then when they don't, I get mad. It just means like, I'm excited to see them do whatever they do. Like it doesn't, it kind of doesn't matter. They're just, they just got to figure it out. Um, I think I should ask them, but I think sometimes for them, it's frustrating because, (laughs) because it's not clear. Because we yeah. haven't designed a clear like pathway, there's no obvious gate to walk through that triggers the next thing. That they're like, okay, ooh, like what now? What do we do? And then Taylor and I look at one another, we're like, we don't know. I don't know. You got to figure it out. Um, there are there are some shortcomings to that approach. Like you know, it yeah it can be frustrating like that it can be a little bit unclear and i think if you want to do something very involved and complicated and puzzle boxy and very very like neat and almost like rube goldberg-esque you definitely need to plan and plot and uh have all of your pathways ahead of time and then in that situation yeah if your players get distracted by something shiny it might be might be very frustrating because you've put all this work into this beautiful machine that they're just walking away from. Um, yeah. But yeah, we do tend to play more, more sandboxy. Um, with that, it, do you have a favorite non-spoilery moment that they pulled out of their ass that you were like, Oh my God, that's great. I would have never thought of that. Oh, is geez. there something that comes to mind? Uh, that there is, but it hasn't, did? it hasn't happened yet. Uh, you okay. have, you guys haven't heard it yet. Um, or the, the wider, it's not, it's not public. Uh, let me think for a second. Sure. Yeah. Cause my thought about it is like, in my experience, the funniest moments that happen in my D and D campaigns is when the DM is speechless. Like, you know, that kind of moment where they're like, Uh, wait, you did what? Like, oh, okay. And then, and then you ask them, well, is that okay? Can we do that? And you, and they're like, well, I guess you can't not do that. So Yes. There's um, um Viv consistently does stuff Jen as Viv yes. consistently does stuff where yes. Taylor and I are both like whoa 
<laughs> like I don't can can you? And then I find my impulse as a as a tidy rules follower to go to the core rule book and be like, I'm gonna make sure that Viv that this spell does work this way. And then I slap my own hand. I'm like, no, it's cool. Like Jen is <laughs> Jen is doing something that is neat. Um, she did a couple things in the Jast battle, which was episode five, uh, I think, where I was yeah. like, I don't, I technically, I don't think this is possible, but this is a great idea. So let's just go for it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, th- that, that whole battle with Jast and like everything around it, um, without being too spoilery, Jast is one of the first like major like confrontations in this series, like the whole time you're scared of this character, he's meant to be imposing and he still is in that battle, but some stuff happens that you're like, what? (laughs) And I think that's just so, I like that you slap your own hand, that you will let narrative take over rules if it's for the good of the narrative in the show. Yeah. Our um, our top house rule is rule of cool. Don't make me tap the sign. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, I, I mean, that was the thing that scared me away from D&D for a lot of years was like all of the numbers. I was like, but what if I don't understand the numbers? But I found DMs who took care of me and were like, well, I want to see how you play in this space, not necessarily what what you do with the dice. Um, and I'm I'm in a game set in Arcadia, which is D&D 5th edition right now. That's just so fun to play because our DM is just game for whatever we want to do if we want to have a conversation with a creature we're not supposed to sure That's why great, not yeah. do you speak the language yeah like we'll we'll egg on the role play and not not all campaigns will do that i've played in tons of campaigns where it's battle after battle after battle then story then more battle and that's fine too it's just i like when you get to like create the world with the dm versus being yeah. ushered through the world mm-hmm. yeah you don't uh yeah we call it sometimes we call it battle hallway yeah. You know, like you can't, there's no doors in the hallway and there's just successive groups of orcs or whatever, kobolds, um, as you walk down the hallway, which, yeah, for some people, if that's your bag, that's great. If, if what you want to do is find the most efficient combination of, you know, a spell, an axe swing, and then a roll that lets you defeat a particular enemy, dope. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's it's all about just finding finding a combination of players and DMs that 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 mesh well. And yeah, we're we're of that we're of your us, we are of a similar persuasion as you, which is have a big battle, but then spend three play sessions just talking about what you do after the battle, what's going on in the world, how everybody feels. It's all what yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, one of my favorite moments in a D&D campaign when I first started playing is my best friend, Matt, because, of course, I have a friend named Matt to make things confusing. Um, he was playing a, a lawful good paladin back in the old rules. So it was probably 3-5. And we were wandering through this dungeon trying to find stuff. And he was playing the character as all evil must die. I will smite everything. Anything evil has to die. And we open an orc break room bar where they're just hanging out, playing cards, drinking. Being normal, and being w- normal folks being normal folks and they look at us and we look at them and the bartender goes come in or get out and my friend matt is like he starts to raise his sword i'm like no 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 we don't like i'm playing a monk i'm like no no we don't have to fight he's like no they must be smited and he dragged us kicking and screaming into a battle with the whole room and there was like orcs and goblins and and like we and we killed them all 
Like I tried to subdue as many as possible, but he slayed them all. That is and it was like some heavy shit. It was so heavy. And then afterwards we were all and like the DM made us talk about how that made us feel. And like we fought with him. I argued with him. Like it was it was really cool. And like that's more important to me than just rolling dice because like <laughs> Also, knowing the character, we opened that door and all, like, me and the mage and the other party member who I can't remember, I think it was a rogue, like, just looked at each other. You're like, like oh, no. Oh, oh, no. Yeah. And then it played out. Like, and, and I feel like um, Fun City has a lot of that kind of um, flow and storytelling. You know, this idea of something terrible could go down. Well, I guess we're riding this out. Here we go. Like... The spoiler moment where someone kills someone in a recent episode and then Taylor decides to share more information. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like, <laughs> literally sitting at my desk at work, I was like, what? And my coworker's like, are you okay? I was like, never mind, nothing. A podcast uh, like, <laughs> did a thing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, and, like, and, and, and I think that's what's really powerful about Fun City and why I would urge everyone listening to this to go listen to fun city join the patreon if you got a couple of bucks but otherwise just enjoy this show um you've added stuff as you've gone done side campaigns that are patreon rewards created fun chatty which is a chat show where you chat with the cast and now sometimes a guest and like talk about the show do you have any other ideas like that down the line that you may want to introduce things that build out the world I really want us to find the time and the bandwidth, which is hard now with the current world situation, to be doing just more side missions because mm -hmm. it's another way for us to build out the world. And I think the, the players feel permitted to go a little bit more, uh, to take a little bit more risk in the side missions because yeah. I think they just feel like they know that I'm not going to hurt them because it's <laughs> not a it's canon, but it's not a main episode. So I think they feel like right. they can get away with a little bit more and don't tell them this, but they <laughs> but they can. Um, and so, like, you know, um, I encourage that behavior. But I think that sort of thing, the slightly less um, weighty, you know, consequential episodes really helps them. uh throw some elbows within their character and lets them yeah. find out who their character, take some risks with their characters a little bit that then informs how they play in the main game. And so I just, yeah. I want to send them on more just side jobs to just send them back to Connecticut, to send them to, you know, out on long Island, to send them to Staten Island, um, sure. you know, build out preliminarily build out some more locations of the world that will eventually find their way into the main game, but mostly give them an excuse to play a little bit more with their characters. Uh, that is really what I eventually would like to do. I think for that to happen, um, we would need to have more people just on the staff of the show. Uh, cause, sure. cause it's just, it's a, it's like a workflow bottleneck. I can't, I can't write the main show edit and sound design and write uh, secondary shows and then edit and sound design those. It's just, there's not literally not enough hours in a week. <laughs> no. Uh, and, you know, you could let other people do that stuff eventually. I'm I mean, sure. I would, yeah. I mean, once we have the, ca it's, uh, I think our next goal uh, that we haven't published yeah. to the Patreon yet, but because we haven't figured out exactly how much it would be. And also things are weird right now. Um, sure. Our next goal will be we'll you know we have enough money to hire an editor, which means I'm freed up to write more of the show, which means we can do more stuff. 
That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like, I just, I can't say enough how great this show is and how oh, thankful thanks, I am that you guys make it. Oh, that really, um, that means a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, um, to wrap up the show, I guess what I'd ask you, as someone who's been just making dar, content on the internet for as long as you have, is there any advice you have to creators who want to make something, especially in this time where for some of us, we have more time than we know what to do with, right? Whether we wanted it or not. Do you have any advice on how to start a thing or get into a thing that, or make a thing that maybe you couldn't before? Oh man, a million pieces of advice. Um, <laughs> the first is um, uh, just do it, just make it, even if it's just for yeah. you, just like do something. Um, the second is, uh, ugh, I have a lot of problems with it, but the, fuck, what's his name? Um, <laughs> Ira Glass, Ira Glass. Yes. The Ira Glass thing where he's like, you are you have good taste but you don't yet have the skills to make something that is as good as what you're aiming for is true so just like yeah. internalize that idea that like you have to learn um especially if you're starting something new you're going to know what good is but you're not going to be able to produce it with your body <laughs> and yes. that's okay like that's all right um yeah uh creativity is a, a discipline you don't and shouldn't wait for the muse to strike. You have to just set time aside to be creative. So if you do have more time than you know what to do with, yeah, like put some things in your calendar that just say, write. And then when you sit down, you just write. Even if it's garbage, no one ever has to see it. Just write something. Right. Um, and um, rip people off. Don't plagiarize. Don't right. copy things. But... but right filter other people's work through your personal experiences and something new and different will come out. And that I think for a lot of people is a comfortable place to start because it's a little bit of a crutch. You're like, Oh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write my version of this short story or I really like this song by this band. So I'm going to make a version of it. And then you find that just because of your taste, because of your experience and sometimes blessedly because of your skill level that you can't do, <laughs> you cannot do what is in front of you. You end up with something slightly different, but which is still good. And now it's yours. Um, yeah. And then once you can bear it, which is hard and can take a little while, but as soon as you can like force yourself to, especially if you're, if you're, if the thing that you're doing is making YouTube videos or a podcast, um, watch it or listen to it yourself. Like, consume your own uh, out creative output um, and show it to your friends and ask them for uh, ask them for notes. Don't apologize for yep. it. Don't do the pre-apology thing where you're like, I'm still working on it. I know it's not good. To be like, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm new at this. I'm working on something. Can you just tell me what you think about this? And that's all your friends need to hear. That's it. They just yep. need to hear, I'm new at this. I'm working on it. I would love to know what you think. That's it. Yeah. That's some great advice. That's that's really awesome. Um, Mike, thank you for being on the show again. I'm really happy to have you on. Before we have you wrap the show up with our, our saying here, I would love for you to tell everyone on the internet where they can find you and where they can find Fun City and anything else that you're working on. Sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rugnetta. You can find um, my podcast, Reasonably Sound, 
pretty much everywhere that you listen to podcasts. You can just search Reasonably Sound um, and at Reasonably SND on Twitter. You can find Fun City on Twitter at Fun City Ventures. And you can find that definitely everywhere that you listen to podcasts. If you go and look for it in the place where you listen to podcasts and it's not there, you give me a call because I got to have words with somebody. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and finally, we have a saying on the show, which is music and li- music is life and life is good. It's this idea as long as you're creating, even in a time of a shitty quarantine and social isolating, life isn't that bad or could be worse. So can you wrap us up with that sign off, Mike? I would be delighted. Music is life and life is good. That's it for this episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Amans. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashchords.com or hit us up on Twitter at Crash Chords Web. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Victor Devon, and I am the host of We Burlesque, the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit weburlesque.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good.